0: I spend many weekends every single year out on the road, traveling and speaking to uh, audiences, ranging on topics from marriage to politics. And one of the things that I have noticed over the last probably decade that has increased with every year is the question that women ask me about leadership in their home. Lots of women frustrated because they want to see their husbands step up and be the spiritual leaders in their home, and yet the culture has devalued and emasculated our men to the point where we're not having productive conversations anymore. Well, my guest today is Steve Demi. He is the founder of Building Faith Families and a very dear friend of mine. And we're going to jump into some of these cultural topics, and I think you're going to appreciate Steve's heart for the Lord, the gentleness with which he brings his message. You guys, I love this man, and you will too. This is the Heidi St. John Podcast. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. Before I get to today's guest, I wanna remind you, we would love to have you interacting with this podcast over at Spotify and also leaving reviews for the show at iTunes. Many of you know that I have a brand new book out called Mom Strong 365. I would love it if you would hop on over to Amazon and leave a review for my new 365-day devotional for women that just came out on September 5th, and we'd love it if uh, we could get more reviews over there. For those of you who've done that, we really appreciate it. We're reading those reviews as they come in, and I wanna say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Well, I hope you guys enjoy this interview with Steve Demi. Steve and I have gotten to know each other over the years out on the conference circuit. He's become a dear friend of both my husband and myself, and our kids love him too. He has a tenderness before the Lord that is very rare, I believe, in speakers with a platform the size of Steve's. He's the founder, of course, of Matthew C. Most of my listeners will recognize his name from that curriculum, but beyond that, he has a heart to see God's heart restored in family life. So I'm gonna spend the next couple of days interviewing him. We're gonna talk today mostly about what it looks like for um, men to lead again in their homes. What does it mean to take initiative? Steve's gonna talk about something that has been uh, impressed on my heart over the years as a mother and a wife of 35, nearly 35, years. And that is the family that stays together, stays together. Steve's going to make a powerful case for why you should spend more time with your family. And with that, here's my conversation with my friend, Steve Demi. Well, hey, my friend, welcome to the show. It's good to see you.
1: <laughs> nice to be back.
0: I have like, uh, you know, all the people that are watching my show right now that have been like, look, it's Mr. Matthew C. He said,
1: look, <laughs> he's
0: on the podcast. You still get that, don't you?
1: I do. In fact, I've got a. I've been messaging a young man this morning who's across the state who wants to meet me because he's watched my videos for twelve years, oh, and he's going on. to a college, and I'm trying to connect with him. So we're trying to make it happen.
0: I love that you've been, you know, ministering to families for a really long time, and I'm trying to remember when I met you. It's been. A, I feel like it's been a hundred years ago, out on the road because I think I only had five kids at the time.
1: Well, I remember exactly when it was and I'm trying to visualize the place. I remember walking (laughs) in this convention hall and I'm kind of, I kind of look high because I'm six foot five (laughs) and I turned around and there you were and you introduced yourself to me and I remember going, wow, look at those eyes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's right. I'll pay you later. (laughs) Okay.
1: Well, that's exactly what I said because I was taken aback.
0: Well, it I have just enjoyed, and I mean this, just every every time we get to run into you out on the road. Our kids are love you. I mean, how many times you've had sailor up on your shoulders? Uh, I'm pretty sure you've pulled a couple of pranks on us at restaurants. I, I'm I'm fairly certain that the story is long as they say and storied now.
1: Well, it doesn't surprise me because I have that part of my uh, makeup.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's really true but you're not you've you know obviously i mean you're best known particularly in the homeschool community for Matthew C and for all your videos and you know hundreds of thousands of kids that would recognize your face in a new york second if they saw you on the street but really you've shifted in the last several years the last last couple times you guys you've been on the show we've talked about this just your heart for families and what's happening in the culture i want to there's a, a lot of people on the show listening that haven't heard you here before. We've got a lot of brand new uh, listeners. So I want to take just a minute and introduce my audience to you. Uh, Tell us a little bit about who you are and kind of what drives you.
1: See if I give you the, I like that expression, New York Minute. I'll give you the New York elevator overview. Um, I graduated from seminary way back in 79 and my wife and I were married the next day. And nine months later, 9 months later, Johnny, I'm sorry. Isaac was born, <laughs> followed by Ethan, Joseph and John, and I was pastoring in a small church in Georgia. It was so small that I also became a school teacher. I taught in the public schools. I taught math. And then we were sailing along homeschooling, very involved in all kinds of things, and my fourth boy was born with down syndrome. And Johnny, Uh, The first year had open heart surgery, intestinal surgery, almost died of a virus and had two catheterizations and my wife and I burned out. So we had to do something different. So we moved to a different state and I started tutoring children just to help us have food. And so that was my gift was uh, teaching math. I, I didn't know I had a gift in that area until I became a school teacher But then I started tutoring kids in math. I didn't like the materials, so I wrote my own materials, which grew into Matthew C. But way back in the 80s, when I spoke at homeschool conferences, like you said, I would speak primarily on math. But then I started speaking also about having family worship. The first non-math book I wrote was How to Have Family Worship. And that's grown now to I don't even know how many other books I've written. And one of them is a compendium, a collection of hymns, all out of copyright. A hundred hymns with the histories on one side and the hymn on the other side. So these are the kind of things that I do now. But 12, 2012, my sons took over running Demi Learning. And I have given myself fully to podcasting. Just did number 382 this morning. Uh, writing. writing. Cool. And speaking, and I'm still on the road, and you and I mentioned this ahead of time. I'm going to bring it up now. There is nowhere in the Bible that we're supposed to retire and move to Florida and play shuffleboard and pickleball. Not in the Bible. But, and it does say that the priests have a certain window they're supposed to be doing stuff, but it also says in Ecclesiastes, there is no discharge in war. And that was my spiritual mentor's uh, mantra. And he was ministering right up to the end. So there you go. How's that that for an overview?
0: I love that and actually um it's important because there are a lot of homeschool families. I mean, I know a lot of homeschool moms and dads who've really now come to the end of their homeschool years and you hear a lot of people say, you know, we're going to focus on ourselves now. We're going to you know and and I'm like, you guys the fam-, like ministry to families is so important. It was actually yep. Dr. Dobson the very first time I met him, which has been well over 20 years ago. And I was doing an interview and he could tell that I was nervous and so I think he was just trying to you know, kind of um, get me to talk in a little more uh, less stilted (laughs) style. And he asked me what I thought about retirement. Well, I was pregnant with Sydney, who's now almost (laughs) 20 years old. And I said, I looked down at my belly and I was like, well, retirement's not anywhere in the near future for me. And he said, well, it should never be in the future for God's people because uh, we're, you know, and as long as we're here on the battlefield, then God has something for us to do and it will shift, right? Things shift from season to season and the bible says in ecclesiastes there's a season for everything but there isn't yep. a season to quit and uh, i love that i love that you share that philosophy the other thing he said to me which really is in line with you was he said if if the lord gives you opportunity in the years to come minister to families because it's families that are going to be under attack and that's really what's driving uh what's driving you at building faith families isn't it
1: i i um i As much as I love homeschooling because we've been doing it since the early 80s. Our first conference, we listened to Raymond.
0: dinosaurs roamed the earth.
1: Raymond and Dorothy Moore spoke for two days along with Phyllis Schlafly, Eagle Forum. So we had, on one hand, the Moors. She was
0: incredible. Yes.
1: They were teaching us how to build a family. I think of Nehemiah in my head. They had the shovels, but then Phyllis Schlafly had the sword. She was teaching us how to fight for our rights, how to lobby, how to put bills through. And I'm sure that most of your listeners don't know who the Moors and Phyllis Schlafly are, but the Moors, as far as I'm concerned, are the mom and dad of homeschooling. If it wasn't for Mm -hmm. them and that broadcast they had on Focus on the Family... We would have a nice slow increase, but it spiked when they came in. So, yeah, I was very privileged to get a good start from both of those uh, perspectives. So, but. Well, the Moors are from my neck of the woods. They are. But you know what? As wonderful as homeschooling is, and God is in it, I think that the bigger picture is he's restoring families. He is restoring the hearts of fathers to their children. He's restoring marriage he's restoring that that chemistry that dynamic of the family that we're losing and i live in a wonderful neighborhood and i love my neighbors but they are so running here and running there in different sports and different activities and they're hardly together and yeah. this is one of the talks i used to give and it's still one of my favorites i'm going to be giving it in 2 days at the uh, homeschool days up at miracle mountain ranch The family that stays together stays together. (laughs) That's
0: so it's so true. It is. It's really true because we really are. I just did a, a podcast the other day and actually you and I, we should be talking about this. The title of that show was The Outsourcing of Parenting. Yeah. And we think that if we homeschool our kids, somehow we won't outsource our parenting, but we can outsource it in, in a multiple, you know, in a variety of different ways. We can send our kids uh, to so many extracurricular activities that we never see them, that the family is fragmented. And you see this a lot.
1: Yeah. I, uh, I'm sure that some of my kids would have liked to have played organized sports, but I watched families where three boys they have and they have three different teams and the dad goes to one game. The mom goes the other game. The younger kid, grandparents. When I was growing up, I know this a long time ago. But if I was on a certain baseball team, my brothers had to be on the same team. And the whole family went to the game together. They set up their little lawn chairs on the edge. They watched both games, the little kids and then the older kids. And it was a community neighborhood event. And the whole family was together. And it was only for two months. And now baseball goes 12 months. Basketball goes 12 months. You have to have all these coaches. It's ridiculous. It's way out of control. Mm -hmm. But we we made decisions based on is this going to make our family closer together or is it going to fragment our family? And we said no to a lot of good things so that we could have the better thing.
0: Yeah. I mean, you said no to a lot of good things so you could say yes to the best thing. Yes. And and that was keeping keeping your family together. And I, I think that. Uh, there are a lot of parents, you know, younger parents listening to the show and even grandparents listening now. I mean, I have four grandchildren and it goes by really fast and you don't get the time back. Uh, and when we give our kids to all these, you know, whether it's organized sports or whether they're you know, involved in uh, so many different extracurricular activities that we only see them in the evenings, then we're really losing the most precious thing that God's given us while we're raising our kids.
1: Yeah. And a lot of life just happens when you're together which is what the Bible teaches us. You know, you're supposed to do this when you get up, when you lie down, when you walk by the way, when you rise up. I remember going to the dump once, and we were listening to Rush Limbaugh on the radio, and he talked about Reaganomics. And my son said, what's Reaganomics? So I turned the radio off, and we had a discussion on supply-side economics together in the car going to the dump. Mm -hmm. And we went Mm -hmm. shopping together. I taught them how to do comparison shopping, how to read labels, how to discern. High yes. fructose corn syrup is the enemy, and dun, dun, dun. <laughs> but and Coca Cola is the only thing it's good for is cleaning the battery acid off of your battery terminals, and so. Right. But th- you can't communicate that stuff if you're not together, and mm-hmm. so there you go.
0: I, something that I really wanted to talk to you about is you and I've had this conversation before and the number one question that I get out on the road, I mean, you know, that's usually when I see them bumping into you at a conference or something. Uh, but I speak, you know, multiple times a month at different places across the country and I will all, if I get the opportunity, uh, like I've done with you, I love to do Q&A with audiences. I think that's a lot of fun. It's interesting. It sort of lets you know what the audience is interested in rather than just going and you know, spouting off a bunch of information, the number one question that I get, doesn't matter where I am, I could be in Pennsylvania, where you are out here in the Pacific Northwest, from mothers, uh, is how to encourage my husband to be a spiritual leader in our home. Uh, more, I get that question more than any other question. And I've said, listen, how about you don't beat your husband up over, you know, beat him about the head with your Bible or guilt trip him or anything like that. But I'm wondering, Steve, if you can talk to the dads who are listening and the moms are going to be encouraged by proxy. But if you can, if you can speak to the dads who are like, I just don't know how to lead my family. You've talked a little bit about family worship. You're talking about how important the family is, the family that stays together, stays together. Uh, how do you encourage the dads to take that mantle that God's given them? My pillow is having a mattress sale. I have a MyPillow mattress and I love it. In fact, I'm getting ready to buy another one for my daughter. Right now, the complete mattress system is on sale for 50% off. This system comes with two free premium MyPillows and a free set of Giza Dream bed sheets. Mattresses come in coil and foam in a wide range of sizes from twin to split king and carry a 10-year warranty with a six-month money-back guarantee. Call 1-800-447-0541 or visit MyPillow.com and use promo code HEIDI to save 50% off the complete mattress sleep system. This deal won't last long. Enter promo code HEIDI to save 50% today.
1: This will be a a really good thing that happens today. But I'm going to tell you this. Uh, Friday night, I was up at a homeschool group and I met a couple of the ladies at the uh, Pennsylvania conference this last year and they invited me up. So I was going to do a workshop on how to have family worship. Now, you're going to like this because this is what I do now. I did it seven conferences last year. Instead of me just filling up the whole thing and maybe having 10 minutes for Q&A at the end, I speak for like 25 minutes. We break up into families of seven or eight people. I I have a one-page printout of John chapter 10. And I walk them through it. And then these families have 20 minutes to have a family devotion right in the room. Then we get back together and we debrief. And I've had so many positive comments because a lot of dads, for example, think it's rocket science. And you have to prepare. You have to read commentaries. And I show them what we did.
0: overcomplicated it.
1: Yeah, I show them what we did in our home. We pray. We read a chapter of the Bible, three verses at a time. We went around the room, gave everybody a minute or so to share one insight that they received. If we had time, we sang, and then I close in prayer. takes 10 minutes. And when we do it at these conferences, these moms and dads look at me when we're all done and go, I can do that. Yes. And that is so encouraging. So anyway, we were going to have one of these at this homeschool group. So I get up there, three families. I said, I'm coming anyway. I don't care if there's three families or 300 families. I said I was going to come. I come. So I got there. And at the end, and by the way, it went really well. Same thing happened, though. These dads were sitting there going, I could do this. And the moms are going this. And the kids are going, hey, I like this. This is fun. Can we do this? All this. It's, it's just always good. But after I was done, the organizer came to me and said, if it, if you didn't want dads to be here, we could have had 100 people packing out this room. And I almost fell over. And I said, that is so sad because. It
0: just makes me want to cry. It does,
1: because that is the missing link. And that's what I'm praying for now. And, And this is one of the things I do now. I have more time now on my hands to pray. And one of the things I'm asking God is for him to draw those hearts of those dads to their kids and vice versa, but also to help them to step up to the plate and be the priests of their home. Which is biblical. When you,
0: yes. When you say that, though, like heads are exploding, right? The priest of my home. What What does that mean?
1: It says in 1 Peter and in Revelation that he's made us priests. And this has been what I've been studying. And I just did maybe 25 podcasts on what it means to be a priest. But priests not only pray and give thanks and worship, but priests teach. They're teaching yes. priests. But I just think that the man is the is where the buck stops in the spiritual responsibility. We were created and designed to be, I think, disciples and priests are the same thing. Mm-hmm. Because what he told us was we're supposed to go and make disciples. We're supposed to teach the gospel. And all those things that he told his disciples, he tells us. And I, I'm trying to think, what does it mean to be a priest under the New Covenant? Under Christ, as it says in Peter, to make spiritual sacrifices through Christ Jesus. Um, But I think the priest prays for his family. I pray for my family almost every day, sometimes multiple times a day. Priests are the ones that they represent God. I hate to tell you, but most people, when you ask them, I shouldn't say most people. I'm going to say me and a whole bunch of other people. How's that? Is that safer? we I'll take it. We view God through our dads. And it turned out for me I had to stop when I finally saw that and consciously rework what God looks like according to scripture and not according to my dad. And I had a pretty good dad. But I wasn't connected with my dad. And I was doing some therapy work and I started writing down what I think God looked like and when I wrote it I said shoot that's my dad. I just described my dad. So dads have a tremendous influence on how God looks. And so, and, and when he tells husbands to love your wife, he doesn't say love your wife as you would like to be loved if you were the wife. He says, love your wife as Jesus loved you. So we represent, an opp- we have an opportunity to represent God and show fleshed in our home what. Our heavenly father looks like we want to be compassionate we want to be slow to anger we want to be merciful we want to be consistent all these things because this is what God looks like and so Mm -hmm. there's a lot to that Mm -hmm. as you can tell I'm I'm holding back because I uh, I have I've given myself to this now but I want to be before God in faith for the world, but I'm also praying for families, because this is, at last verse in Malachi, that is right before the great and terrible day of the Lord. We haven't seen that yet. That's not going to be a happy time, but we need fathers to step up to the plate and just be who God designed them to be. And I also think, though, that it's tougher and tougher to be a dad in our culture, not just because of the onslaught from the media, but because the government has put so much pressure and taxation on us that it's like they're taking the straw away from us and we got to make the same amount of bricks. And a lot of dads are having to work long hours just to provide for their family. So in answer to your question, the first thing I would say is I would say to my, if I was the wife, I would say, thank you for providing for our family. Thank you for working hard. My wife used to do that on a regular basis. She'd come into my office. I'm working late at night. She'd say, thank you for doing this for us. And when we did have family devotions, my wife would thank me. I don't think she never not thanked me when we were done. Thank you for leading our family. And that's huge for a guy. And the second thing I would do is, if it really comes down that you have to have, and I, I've never had a good one, so I don't know what they look like, an intervention, <laughs> but but my wife has had several with me. And just to sit down humbly and say, uh, husband, I really have it on my heart that we would be able to read the Bible together as a family, that we would go to God as a family, that we would pray together as a family what do you think? I would ask his advice. I would ask his input. And then, um, do you think we could do that once a week, maybe after dinner or Mm -hmm. while we're together for breakfast? Um, In that book I wrote on family worship, by the way, the last quarter of the book is just accounts of what other families have done. And that helps men to see that they don't have to be in some kind of a rigid formula that they can adapt to their schedules. Mm -hmm. You know, there's Mm -hmm. fun dad who meets on the trampoline. And then there's, (laughs) uh, you know, there's dramatic dad. Uh, I got a friend, uh, Ben Myers out in Philadelphia, actor's Bible and they act out scripture. (laughs) No, it's phenomenal. Those
0: are the people, those are the people though, when I hear about that, you know, uh, 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 our friend, Jessica, you know, she was, she was obviously, you know, acting everything out. And then I just made me feel like, Oh, I can't do that then because you know, <laughs> someone's acting, someone's doing this. And Heidi's like, you know, I just want to get a cup of tea. I want to bring my kids around me. I want to have, you know, I want to talk to them and my friends are like, wait, wait, you know, we're dressing up, you're Moses and you get to be Esther. And I'm like, no, wait, I just want to, I just want to sit on the couch.
1: Okay. I'm sorry. I brought those guys up, but I, I will say. Now I
0: have like PTSD from it. Thanks a lot. <laughs>
1: I'm sorry. I just <laughs> I just want to say, though, that I think every family will, is going to find their own flavor. There's no one yeah. size fits all is what I was trying I to say. Yeah. And there's no one yeah. time. There's no one approach. And we've tweaked it over the years. But I think that's probably the best part of homeschooling. When I look back, we've read almost the entire Bible out loud as a family. Mm. And just one chapter at a time. Yeah. And and then, well,
0: they're so important. One chapter. You should say that again. One chapter at a time. You don't have to sit down and you know do a comprehensive study on the book of James. Just read a chapter.
1: It takes eight minutes. I, I did the math. You're not, you're not surprised. But if, if you want <laughs> if you if you do want to divide out all the verses in the Bible by how many days and all that, but to read a chapter of the Bible it takes about eight minutes. And what we did was we found the same translation. And we went around the room three verses at a time, and it was amazing. And even though I've read my Bible through scores of times, when I'm in God's presence with other believers, hearing the Word, I get something new almost every time.
0: Yes. Yeah. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's almost like it's alive and active. Yes. Sharper than any two-edged sword.
1: Yes. Quick to discern the thoughts and intents of the heart.
0: Yes. It's almost like that. And
1: inspired. Yes. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm curious. I want, I want to, uh, well, there's so many things I'm writing down to ask you talk to the dad and the mom who have teenagers in their home. So there's, you know, maybe this family's listening to They're like, you know what? I feel like I blew it. My kids are 14 years old now, 13, 14, 15. We haven't been doing family devotions. Uh, we're homeschooling and you know, maybe they're homeschooling. Maybe they're checking all the boxes, but they haven't been doing it. And they, now they just feel like, it's too late. You know, my kid's 14 years old. Uh, talk to that family.
1: Okay. I agree that it's easier to start when they're younger. Okay, that would be no the question. ideal. But God, one of his names is Redeemer. Come and on. he can take our stuff and he can work it for good. So I'm going to tell you some live true stories that I've had with parents of teens. The first one was the mom... Uh, was talking to me and she said, my teenagers don't want any part of family devotions. And I said, well, tell me what it looks like. And they said, well, my husband leads and someday he goes on a, and I'm going to call it what it was, a rant for 40 minutes. (laughs) His favorite topic. Maybe it's the end times, maybe it's whatever. And so my, and my teenagers, I watched them, they just shut down. So then they read my book, they listened to me talk, and then they, they decided that they were going to follow what we did. You know, the three verses of peace went around, give time for testimony and sing if you have time, etc. And she said the kids started coming to life because they knew what to expect, and ah. that's a lot of that's one big piece. The second thing is though that if I was starting with teens, I would, I would treat them like adults and not kids, and I would say, look. Um, Here's what we have on our heart. We would like to read the scriptures together, but um, here's what we're going to we're going to try this for a week and then we're going to get back together. And I would like your input. Is there a way that we can do this more effectively? Is there something that you would like to study? Is there some area that we could focus differently? But I would like your feedback. But let's just try this for a week and then let's talk together as adults and move forward.
0: I love that. Well, and when you did that, you just invited those kids to participate instead of the the dad, you know, or sometimes the mom just ranting or, or, you know, rambling or whatever. You've just invited them in, which gives them ownership. Yes. So important.
1: And the other thing I would do is, and I blew this so many times, I would let them have conflicting opinions. See, when the kids are younger, they just, eat it up. They're just sponges. But when they get older, they start noticing things. And when you become a young adult, you start thinking for yourself and you want to encourage that. And you don't want to make them a cookie cutter kid. But you have to be willing to, if they say something that is contrary to your beliefs, you just have to smile and say, interesting. Thank you for sharing. By the way, that works really well, but
0: interesting. Thank it, you for. Sh-
1: I'm gonna try it. That means I heard you.
0: I heard you. Thank you for sharing.
1: Yes, and you and,
0: don't have to say you're an idiot.
1: That's right, but yeah. let, let's say that you are the most reformed family, and your kids are all named Jonathan Edwards and John Calvin, and all that. And your <laughs> and your teenager says to you one day, "Man, I've been looking at this Nazarene College," <laughs> and you just have to smile and say, <laughs> "Interesting." And then you have to say um <laughs> would you like to go visit it sometime because you have to suck it up those are by that time they're 18 years old they're making their own decisions and at some point you have to cut that cord and yeah. and sometimes well and you got to
0: decide what hills worth dying on you know yeah. you want your kid you want your kids to walk with Jesus and if they do it in a Calvary chapel or a super hardcore reformed church then I don't care I want you to walk with Jesus
1: That's right it's not our job to fix our kids at a certain point it, it's our job to love our kids as Jesus loved us. And that that's the goal really. That's a vision for parenting is to look how God is parenting you and then do the same thing for your kids.
0: Well I hope you guys have been encouraged by this conversation with Steve Demi. If you want more information on Stevie as a powerful ministry to families and you can find him at Building Faith Families, Org. He has a men's retreat coming up, and tomorrow we're gonna to spend some time talking about marriage and the unique and beautiful roles that God has created for us as male and female. It's gonna be a wonderful uh, continuation of this conversation with Steve. If you're interested in finding out more about his men's retreat, that's being held October 13th through 15th in the Poconos in Northeastern Pennsylvania. It's gonna be a phenomenal time of encouragement and exhortation and I just know if, if it's on your heart, if you've enjoyed what Steve has said and you're a man listening to this or your husband, Uh, might be interested, please reach out to him and you can contact him through buildingfaithfamilies.org. Thank you guys so much for being here. I really appreciate you listening. Thank you for leaving reviews for the show. It really does help us get the word out there. And I will see you right back here tomorrow at the intersection of faith and culture.